I'm Jonathan Mosin and this is Mosin at Large, the show that's got the blind community talking. And we're talking exclusively about the WWDC keynote today. Apple has made many big announcements relating to iOS 15, watchOS 8, macOS Monterey and tvOS. Mosin at Large Podcast. Welcome to our post-WWDC special. Apple's keynote has concluded, and it's been a mammoth event this year, especially when you contemplate what they already announced in terms of spatial audio for Apple Music, uh, high resolution and lossless, or the accessibility features that they announced in conjunction with Global Accessibility Awareness Day, and yet still, there was so much to say. What we're going to do is go to our panel first for a bit of a recap of all of these things, And I'll introduce that panel now. We've got in Studio B at Mosin Towers, we've got Heidi Taylor. Welcome, Heidi. Hello. I got the name right. Yep. Yes. Yes. We've also got. Congratulations. On on the other side of the world in North America, we've got uh, Judy Dixon in the great uh, state of, you're in the great state of Virginia, aren't you? I am. Commonwealth of Virginia. And Michael Fair in Canada. Hi, Mike. Hi. Right, so what we're going to do is go through this uh, event and then we will open it up for uh, comments from the Clubhouse audience. But I tell you what, there is an awful lot to go through. Can I just go around the panel and ask you for your overall sort of rating of this event in terms of relevance, excitement, new features? How would you rate it, say, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being absolutely epic and 1 being a yawn? Heidi, shall we start with you? I want to go with something like 8. Yep. Uh, yeah. Okay, and and Judy? I'm going to go with seven. Yep, and Mike? Yeah, I'm with Judy there. I would go with seven. There there wasn't much sort of in the on the accessibility side that that made it to the the keynote, but there was so much else. Like there's there's lots that'll have implications for us. I think I'd give it a 9, you know. I'm really optimistic about this one, particularly given that there was that big slew of information that came out with Global Accessibility Awareness Day. So we know a lot more about accessibility than we usually do, which is uh, which is good. Then you've got all the Apple Music stuff plus all of this. So let's go and have a look at what they said and uh, starting off with the revamp of FaceTime. And what is really clear about this is that they are going after the Zoom market <laughs> yes. and the, the Teams market, the, the conferencing market. Apple clearly sort of missed the boat there. They didn't really have a product that was fit for purpose when the pandemic came. For me, one of the really great excitements about this is that I have been lamenting the poor quality of audio um, that you now hear on TV and radio with people coming in uh, during the pandemic and basically networks are putting anything to air and giving scant regard for the audio quality. Uh, that seems to hopefully be um, leaving us behind as Apple focuses on making the audio in FaceTime sound much better, whether you need to have it hone in on your voice and, and isolate background noise or echo or that sort of thing, or go real hi-fi. Um, let's go around and see what people think. Um, Heidi, what are your thoughts on this all, all this new FaceTime stuff? It sounds really cool, but yeah, they're definitely going after Zoom. So, But it looks like they've done a good job with it. Particularly given that Android and Windows users will be able to make use of this as well. So clearly they want this to be a universal offering. Uh, People have been wanting iMessage on Android for a long time. It's never come, but this one, you'll be able to do at least links to FaceTime calls on any platform. Yeah. Judy, your thoughts? 
I thought there were a number of things that were pandemic inspired, having to, not only the messaging and FaceTime, but all the sharing, um, different things, share with me, share that you can have now in Apple TV and so forth. I mean, I, I think it, it seemed to be f- a lot focused on people sharing things with each other and, you know, people connecting with each other. Yeah, the uh, share play is a really cool feature, which we'll come back to in a minute. Very Uh, cool. That's really, very cool. So, uh, Mike, your thoughts on the whole, uh, I guess, incursion into the conferencing market from Apple with this update? I think there's some pretty big implications. I love how you can, you'll be able to focus in on your own sound for when that's necessarily and necessary and then go the other way and, and capture everything. So that opens up everything from, you know, recording. If you're in the middle of a, an event and you want to capture everything around you or just eliminate more background noise, uh, you know, that, that is, I love how they made that a choice. And uh, that's going to be great. And and yeah, the share play stuff. It, it's so if it, w- once this all gets out there, that'll make doing demos and things so much easier. If we can pull in sound and stuff, and th- and imagery for sighted people from other apps, uh, you know that that uh, that has a lot of implications right there. So love the choice, and and very much looking forward to experimenting with with all this. Spatial audio is coming to FaceTime, so Apple's really doubling down on this. They introduced it with TV last year, and then they announced that spatial audio is coming to Apple Music. In fact, as we put this show together, there's a special Apple Music event showcasing spatial audio and demonstrating what that will do. So this is sort of supposed to give you a more realistic feel, and people will be in the in the sound spectrum where they are positioned, which is going to be quite interesting to hear uh, how that works. The thing that you mentioned there, Mike, I think the key is whether you're going to be able to record these sessions or not. Uh, obviously, uh, yes. Teams had this, Zooms has this, FaceTime, you've not really been able to record that easily. Yep, that's true, and that, that might be a missing element i guess we'll find out in the in the fine print uh with some of this stuff you can clearly identify who's speaking so i presume that might be available um, through voiceover in a uh, written form uh portrait mode also can you talk about maybe judy and, and heidi might have a particular interest in portrait mode coming to facetime and what the significance of that is Portrait mode blurs the background and features the face, the person themselves. So, I mean, I I think sighted people will find it quite appealing. What do you think, Heidi? Yeah, I think it looks pretty good. Um, I don't really see how great it would be for blind people, but maybe it could help people (laughs) with um, low vision. It makes the person clearer and the background like fuzzy and faded, so it's easier to focus on the face. So that might be an implication of that. But overall, it just looks cool. <laughs> I am coming into Clubhouse right now with the iRig 2 guitar multimedia interface thingy. And the <laughs> only reason why I bought that was because of limitations that appear to exist in CallKit. And if you think this is an non sequitur, where I'm going with this is that if all of these high-end audio features are coming to FaceTime and, and I rejoice and I celebrate, I really do hope that this will mean a revamp of CallKit so that, say, USB microphones and other 
USB accessories that you connect through the lightning port on an iPhone will just work with these things. Uh, that's really important, I think, and, and it could make a big difference to apps like Clubhouse. I was also really intrigued to see, and I think this is a reflection of the pressure that Apple is under, that a lot of these features are going to be available through an API. So the audio quality of Teams and Zoom and some of these other conferencing services should also start sounding better on the iPhone. I was thinking about that with all the developers there. They're really going to have a great week learning about all these APIs. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk specifically about SharePlay. For those who weren't at the keynote or who want to understand this better, this is basically, I guess you'd, you'd call it a remote form of AirPlay that, that happens over the internet. And it's also designed for just shared experience. So, for example, you can get a group of people together, listen to music or watch a TV show. You all have control over uh, skipping and playing and pausing, which I think could be quite fun. <laughs> Don't like this track? No, put it back. <laughs> the devil is really in the details here, I think, depending on who has control when and, yeah, what is allowed. Because uh, some of these things are tapping into subscribed services. So do you all have to have the same subscriptions to do this stuff? Or, you know, or there's, there's all you? sorts of, of details there that uh, that – uh, I, I would certainly like some clarity about. And how yeah, would you because, talk with each other? <laughs> while this yeah, well, I so what they seem to be indicating was that you could send the content that you're share playing to the Apple TV. And then I think if you did that, you would be able to keep the FaceTime audio going. Is that right? I think. Yeah, that, that, well, they showed it with like a video FaceTime call, but yeah. So if you airplayed it off to the Apple TV, the sound and the picture was on the TV, but the FaceTime call remained on your phone. Ah, uh, okay. And it would be per perfectly in sync, they say. So, you know, the, the best example I have of all the stuff being in sync is Sonos. So they do an amazing job of whole home syncing. So Apple's obviously given a lot of thought to making sure that everybody's watching the same thing because those things are critical to the shared experience, right? You've got to be able to laugh at the same joke at the same time, that kind of thing. We used to do that in high school. You yes, but that the was same some TV retro show. duty. Actually, it's a I, I would, be in person with people then. With the telephone. <laughs> no, with a, with the, on the phone. Oh, on the phone. Yeah, but, oh, oh. Yeah. but you're not going to get watching the spatial the, audio and the fidelity. Oh, watching the same TV show on the phone late at yeah. night. <laughs> but I guess if like a TV show was like being broadcast to everyone, it's already pretty much well, in sync. Right. Whereas if it you're is. trying to watch like a video <laughs> on a streaming service, you have to be all like three, two, one, start and try and all get it started at the right time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this sounds really cool. I, I can't help thinking it's a shame that it wasn't here a year ago. But mm. still, um, it, it's it's going to be really cool, and you can imagine people having, you know, watched described movie nights, for example. Uh, I also didn't see, and maybe it's in the mm. fine print, Heidi. How many people can be part of a share play session? Um, they didn't mention it, and I haven't been able to find anything yet. But I'll look into it a bit more. <laughs> but it did become clear that uh, the apps have to expressly support the feature. So yeah. you won't just be able to share play from any old app. No. So yeah. there's the Apple apps and then Disney Plus, Hulu, HBO Max, NBA, Twitch, TikTok of all things. Uh, <laughs> Master now don't you beat this in TikTok. Sorry. <laughs> ESPN Plus, Paramount Plus, and Pluto TV. 
there's no Netflix on there. No, well, Netflix isn't even part of the the app now. Yeah, yeah this seems to have been a bit of a falling out there, yes. uh, which is significant because, of course, we also learned later that Siri will be able to play content. You'll be able to use your phone to tell Siri to play content on the Apple TV, and um, one wonders whether Netflix will work with that. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Sharing of the screen was a, a note that I made. So this is a really positive thing because you've had to install TeamViewer before this. And I wonder what the implications might be, whether this is going to be accessible or not, because if it is, then that would be pretty exciting and also pretty good news for Ira if there's a way for Ira to hook into this. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Um, all right. Any other comments on the FaceTime stuff before we move on to messages? But it's good, isn't it? I mean, I'm, I, what a great way to start. Um, anything that gives us better audio on these things, rejoice. Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. Praise Tim. Now, uh, <laughs> messages. <laughs> yeah. So, so messages um, has – so there's this new thing called shared with you. What does it look like visually, Heidi? You go into the app and yep. the, yeah, and there's a tab there? Uh, yeah, so depending on the app, um, there's like a – field or a tab or it depends on the app so say in music you go to the listen now tab and then one of the sections in the listen now tab is called shared with you and it shows you all the things that have been shared and it tells you who shared them to you right and so that, that works in photos it works in music so you know i can i can send you a cool retro song and you'll yep. see it in the music tab yep, yep. very good what else have we got in me? Oh, um, so that was that was mainly what we had in messages. It was a, a bit of a less drastic revamp than I think a lot of people were predicting. Oh, this was another general comment I wanted to make. I think that Tim has managed to plug the leaks largely. There was a little bit of a leak from Mark Gurman, who's got sources deep inside Apple and, and has the best Apple sources that I know of. But, you know, there are a lot of surprises there this year, and I think Apple will be delighted by that. Hmm. Notifications. Now, they have a fresh new look. Um, basically, you can get a notification summary sent to you, which you can schedule to um, deliver at the time of your choosing. And basically, the most relevant notifications are going to rise to the top. For example, notifications from people sending you a message, say, that you might need to respond to. Um, also, going back to I messages. Think, go, sorry, go I think they said that they didn't put messages in the summaries. I think you get messages as they come in i think it's more for like app push notifications okay so i wonder what yeah. determines what the relevant ones that go to the top are perhaps how the often you, you have the app. control yeah. over that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean well, perhaps it's machine intelligence that knows how often you act upon a notification well, you know that was they were going to be I, using they were saying on device intelligence quite a lot mm -hmm. in this presentation yes. so i i kind of think that that's that's probably going to going to set a lot of this stuff and then you'd be able to presumably give it your preferences or it'll detect what you use when and kind of learn about you yes it's really nice that kind of whatsapp like your status will be displayed um, in messages so if i'm about to send a message to somebody who's in do not disturb mode then i will know that hmm. that's pretty nice uh what else have we got just um going through my notes here, uh, focus mode. So, all righty. 
this is obviously a really good response to the pandemic. It's not unique to Apple. Windows has had a kind of a focus mode for a while. Um, This seems quite well developed, though. And the idea here is that it matches your device to your current mindset or, or, or function. So if you, for example, have a busy day job and you're getting messages from Slack or Teams or your work email account, then you may be in kind of work mode, but then you can switch your focus. You can set up multiple foci. Is that the plural of focus, Judy? I think so. Yes. Yep. So I never, <laughs> when I was working with for Freedom Scientific, I never knew whether to say focuses or not. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, can, you can set up multiple foci to match different requirements. So presumably I can set up a, a, an out-of-hours one and that will not give me notifications from Teams, from my work account. I think this is a great idea. I think this is fabulous. Yeah. How do you suppose yep. you'd switch among them? Did, did they show us the UI, Heidi? Um, yeah, I th- well, they showed some pictures. They didn't show how you get to it. But I think it's to do with, like, the do not disturb, so it's probably going to be in control center or whatever or something like that. But they showed all the different profiles they had. So they have just general do not disturb, and then they had, like, a personal do not – a personal focus, a work focus, a sleep ah. focus – so you can choose which one's active at what time. And I assume there'll be some form of scheduling like there is already with Do Not Disturb. Hmm. I thought they mentioned settings when they were talking, like you'd be able to do a lot of this and set, like set up the what's in each profile, things like that in settings. Yeah, because my understanding is you, they will have sort of preset focus options, but that you can create your own from scratch. Is that right, Heidi, do you think? Is there a, like an add new button or something like that? Again, they don't show you specifically where you add it, but they've shown where they're editing one of them. Okay. And so there's like a field of allowed apps and you can add new ones or remove ones that are already there. And then you choose to allow those ones through on this particular focus. Okay. And this will become clear really quickly when people get their grubby hands on the developer beta <laughs> and break their phones. And um, You could have a presentation focus and you, so you can turn off all your notifications, but leave on certain things that you really would want to know about. Yes. One of the things that interests me is I have a very small number of people, family members, who are allowed to break through my do not disturb and their calls go through. And I do that by saying that anybody who calls me who's in my favorites can override the do not disturb. That's a feature that's been in there for quite a while. And I do that in case family urgently needs to contact me. But there are certain times when I just cannot be disturbed at all. Say, if I got a call from my son now just to say good morning, which would actually be quite a mind-blowing experience, um, (laughs) (laughs) then then he would interrupt this clubhouse session. And so there are certain times when I, I just can't be disturbed by anybody. So it would be great if there's that kind of granularity there. Yeah. Uh, one of the things they showed off, at least in the iMessage section of it, is when someone's uh, muting the notifications or silencing the notifications with their focus setting, if it's really important, there's like an o- option to override it and say notify anyway. So if it was like really, really bad, you could push through their settings to get it to them. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. Oh, that's well, good. this is going to be fun demoing this. That sounds yeah. really good. Yeah. <laughs> Next on my list was uh, a feature that I'm not sure whether this will make a difference to us or not, because it sounds like to some degree we may have already had it, and it could be an example of where accessibility benefits everybody. But this is this live text 
uh, feature that they talk about where you can take a picture, say, of a whiteboard or photos and it extracts the text and essentially makes it actionable. It, it might turn it into a hyperlink where that's appropriate. This sounds like it could be a big accessibility win potentially. It's, it's sort of like how on the iPad they've got the feature where you can write in handwriting and it knows what you've written and you can turn it into search or copy it as text. Essentially, it's allowing you to extract text from an image and do the same thing. So whether it's handwriting or on a sign or something, you can search for it. Like if you're, fo- you're looking for a photo with something that might have text in the background, you can search or you can copy the text out of a photo or on a phone number, you can tap on that and call the number was an example they used. I guess the big difference for us is, is that this, this makes it interactable. I guess with voiceover now giving us text and image descriptions and text, things like that, we can hear it, but we can't really interact with it. But with something like this, it sounds like we'll be able to actually copy that phone number or dial it right from a picture of – like they had a, a picture of a restaurant uh, with the phone number – uh, in the uh, in the demo, so that uh, I, I can see having uh, some some key accessibility right there, uh, just to be able to, to to copy and and send these bits of text where where they can do us the most good. Very good. Who is a spotlight ninja in this group? Because I, I must confess, I I seldom I use. Almost never use it. Yeah. I almost never use yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually okay. use quite to. a bit, but I, I only use it to like look for apps because I've hidden so many away. I just search for apps instead of trying to find the icon. But other people would use Siri for that. I don't really use it for anything detailed. I use Braille screen input for that. Right. <laughs> yes. So they they keep coming back to Spotlight Search faithfully in most WWDCs, and I keep thinking, oh, maybe I'm missing a trick, but I seldom use it either. But this time, there are significant changes, and they include uh, quick access to contacts, uh, turning into more of a search engine, really, mm. because you can well, search for If it's good, <laughs> yeah. if it becomes more functional, then we might use it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and that that's, I guess, the idea. It's like a universal, anything on your device, you can just get at from from spotlight and that that uh yeah i can see myself using that if if it really does live up to the hype i guess but especially with with it being able to tap into like to use intelligence to like they were they had one where you searched for photos of i uh, can't remember what the example was but there was an example like that and it, it was looking for the image elements in the photos to figure out what you wanted mm. so it was, Sometimes it feels like they're just re-announcing the same thing over and over with Spotlight, but I guess I, I guess they're not. <laughs> we had a couple of instances, both in terms of talking about home features, and there was no announcement of Home OS, which some people anticipated. So whether Home OS was a typo or they're just not ready to talk about Home OS yet, who knows? But there were a lot of these features, and they started with the Wallet app. They talked about the the, the emphasis on keys for cars, for hotels. Uh, all sorts of places for your home. For your house. Yeah. Really ma- taking advantage of the ultra wide band chip in the newer iPhones. So again, those who bought the iPhone SE 2020 model, you are out of luck because there's no UWB chip. And this is one of the reasons why I strongly advised uh, against it because 
it was clear that the UWB chip was going to be used more and more for features and you'd buy a new phone and you'd be locked out of it all, uh, which is really unfortunate for, you know, a lot of blind people who making an iPhone purchase is a big decision. It's a big financial commitment. And it really does look like, you know, unless you really have to have the touch ID button, it looks like backing the iPhone SE was, was backing the wrong horse. But um, these keys uh, will uh, work with hotels as well, which I think is a really cool idea. You know, just tap your phone on your hotel room door and it'll unlock. Uh, Identity cards. Now, is this going to be controversial? Does this run sort of counter to Apple's privacy uh, concept, the idea that uh, you can build an ID card really for yourself? Uh, I don't know whether there was any pictures that showed what the ID card contained, Heidi, in terms of information, but presumably name, date of birth. Yes. So, yeah, the way it works is say you have your driver's license, which I know is not a good example. Um, (laughs) And you scan that and it takes all the information off it and saves it into your ID. And then when, say, you're at, I think they used an airport, so the TSA, you tap your ID card onto the reader and it will share the information that they need so they've got legal name date of birth gender height or all sorts of stuff that they might need so it takes only what they are requesting and sends that to them how does why does tsa need that information Hmm. i don't know it's just the example and how are they getting it now yeah, all right. Well, um, I, I want, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's watch that one with interest. <laughs> uh, there'll be some discussion about that, I'm sure. Um, for those cards to be official, they will need to be supported by the state or country that you are in, and uh, so so states are going to opt into that. Um, just scrolling through my notes here. Um, the, the anything else about the wallet app before I move on to weather? Weather. Okay, we'll move on to weather. I'm rattling through because I know that there will be people in Clubhouse who want to have their say as well, and we are going to get to your comments. Uh, You're welcome to raise your hand in preparation for that. And when we bring you on the stage, if you have time, if you could, please double tap the room actions button. And when you're on stage, you will find an option called uh, audio quality. And if you double tap that and choose high quality, it just makes it sound so much better for the podcast. Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> weather. Um, not too much to say really about this, I don't think, from a um from an accessibility perspective, except it sounds like there's a bit more information in it. And it looks it looks cool. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> now maps. Let's talk about maps. Now I'm I'm in oh, do you want to say something about the weather, Judy? No, I was wondering what Heidi was so underwhelmed about. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. It's not that great. They were like, it's such a great weather app. And I'm like, I don't even use it because it's dumb. Oh. <laughs> Why don't you use the? Do you use a weather app of any kind at the moment? Yeah, I use the Met Service one. Yes. So that's a New Zealand weather app. And I use that too because it has weather stations everywhere and it gives you really good local temperature, which is mm-hmm. mainly what I'm, you know, what's the temperature and is it going to rain? Yeah. <laughs> I know there are some real weather nerds out there though. Um, both of you, Mike and Judy, do you use third-party weather apps at the moment? I use Weather Gods, so that, yep. that's a great I, app. Unless it, unless they've really added a lot into the native weather app, I can't see myself uh, switching back to it. I use the weather app on the phone when I travel, but I use Natatmo at home because we have a weather station inside, outside, 
So if I want to know what the outside temperature is in my own backyard, I can just ask Siri or I can ask Alexa. Does that work well for you in terms of it, reliability? It works great. Mm, there's there's a, a company app, accompanying app called Comfort that uh, is very completely accessible that you can run and that's where you get all the skills from and so forth. We should have a look at this, Heidi. It's one of those things. Very that cool. To, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So maps. Maps is a different experience from, as I understand it, in North America from the boring old run-of-the-mill app that we have here. Uh, I I haven't been to North America for a couple of years now, so I'm not sure how big a difference it is. And I noticed that the new map features are coming to more places later in the year, including Australia across the ditch, but mm-hmm. not here. Um in Maps this year, in iOS 15, they are adding a lot more detail for certain key landmarks. And I can imagine that could be very handy for blind people wanting to understand a location before they go or even when they're there. If you can get a lot more description of um, the, the the place and landmarks. And you also, of course, get a reminder when you're at your stop if you're using Maps for transit, which is always very welcome. They added a lot to the transit part of that, I notice, and that, and I, I can see a lot of people really liking that. Uh, you know, if, especially if they have all the bus stops in as landmarks and things that you could sort of get directions right to, uh, that, that could be hugely helpful. Now, of course, there are all kinds of other apps that do this. So whether it's a case of too little too late or not, I, I guess we'll see, but, uh, it does sound like they've really beefed up. And, and they did mention also that, they they were adding a lot more labels to things, which could tie in for us in terms of, of more recognizable landmarks and details and things that we might be able to access with uh, with voiceover, presumably. So a quick poll, which map app out of Google Apps, sorry, Google Maps or Apple Maps is each of your primary map sources when you need GPS directions, that kind of thing? Um, Heidi? Um, I typically use Google Maps, but that's just sort of like a flow on from when Apple Maps was awful. <laughs> so you no longer think Apple Maps is awful, but you're just sort of being a creature of habit now. Yeah, I, I think they've made decent improvements and they're sort of similar now, but creature of habit. Yeah. And Judy? Apple Maps, because I can do it so fast. I can just tell Siri, I want to walk to the Apple store. And suddenly I have all the directions, everything right on my screen, and I don't have to do anything. I don't have to input text. I don't have to tell it anything. Hmm. What about you, Mike? And who's going ping? <laughs> That's my my watch. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, what's your map app choice? Uh, I guess I would typically use Maps uh, because it's just there. It's it's the default the, really. The Apple and, one, right? And, yeah, and uh, I would I would just typically that's that's what I would ask directions of, uh, if I wasn't using something like Blind Square for more local stuff. I sometimes mm. use them at the same time. Yeah. Yep. Blind Square and Apple Maps. Yes. Yeah. Because Blind Square will tell you what street you're coming to and things like that, and Apple Maps doesn't do that. But then Apple Maps will tell you when to turn, and it'll tap my watch and tell me which way to turn. Like I don't know. Ah, now, <laughs> that is one of the, the reasons why I have sort of gravitated to Apple Maps over time. I do like the kind of social integration of Google Maps and some of the, the, the cool features like that, like restaurant reviews and different things. But I find that I'm using Apple Maps more 
four directions because um, of the the Apple Watch integration and just mm-hmm. having that that tapping on the wrist and you get to know when it means left and when it means right is great. But I actually use Maps a lot less than I did since Uber became my primary transport <laughs> method of choice because unlike taxi drivers, it's very rarely that you find a directionally challenged Uber driver. Their driver app does seem to be quite good in that regard. So, yeah, but it, it's good to have it there. Um, a bit of a random comment that they made here that I took a note of, and that is that voice search is coming to Safari. So this, I guess, puts it on a par with Chrome, which has had a voice search button for some time. Uh, and presumably that'll be that'll be powered by Siri. All right. Now, AirPods, I think I'm the only person on this group who doesn't have them because when I had them, I, I couldn't really use them because of my <laughs> hearing impairment. Uh, so gave them to Bonnie. Uh, it will, interestingly enough, introduce some re- sort of elementary hearing aid type functions this time because they're going to help you focus on the conversation and reduce ambient noise. And it would not surprise me if what we're seeing is a gentle dipping of the toe in the water towards Apple uh, coming out with a full hearing aid. There have been rumors about that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah what what do you think, Mike? Because you're, uh, you're, you're in the hearing impaired community yourself. Well, yeah, I've got uh, a pair of hearing aids and I, I can thankfully use AirPods, uh, at least the, uh, now the Generation 2 AirPods with my hearing aids. I, I've been really, I, I couldn't do that with the Pro because you have to insert the uh, tips right into your ear. It's a, it's a tighter seal, so I don't want to do that at the same time as I'm using hearing aids. Uh, and the Max, I'm, I'm a little hesitant to, I don't know how that would work with an over the ear, uh, headset. Um, I've, I've been hesitant to spend anywhere near that kind of money on something because of my hearing difficulties. Would I get bang for my buck or not is, is mm-hmm. a very, very iffy proposition. So this spatial audio and everything that they're adding, I don't know that that's going to apply to my AirPods or not. Uh, certainly the, the Siri notifications for messages and notifications now, uh, that I could use, but why would I when voiceover essentially does that for us anyway? Uh, so uh, it's one of those things where I, I, I guess it, uh, the spatial audio, again, I'm not sure that will trickle down to regular AirPods or not. So I'm not, I'm not I don't know what to expect really from, uh, from this upgrade. Speaking of trickling down, Apple has a feature called Live Listen, which AirPods use, but also so do made for iPhone hearing aids. And it'll be interesting to see if some of this noise isolation thing that they're talking about with AirPods is going to be introduced to the Live Listen mode for made for iPhone hearing aid wearers, because that could be quite handy if you can give your iPhone or, or put it in the middle of a table in a in a restaurant situation, for example, and it's doing active noise cancellation and perhaps focusing on the person who is speaking, it could potentially take the place of some devices like the Roger Pen from Phonak. Hmm. So I've actually tried using the live listen as as kind of a backup in case anything, God forbid, happens to my hearing aids. Hmm. Um and, and it's it, it's workable but it's it's last resort workable like it's not something i would choose to use really uh for any length of time uh because it, it you get what comes through your iPhone, uh, at your iphone mic 
but it doesn't really give you a stereo sense. So I wouldn't use it for navigating or anything like that. So there, there are limitations to the live listen thing that anyone contemplating, as I did, using it for hearing aid backup should think about. <laughs> yes, those of us who have been on this hearing aid journey for a long time will will feel your pain because whenever you use any of these devices like the Roger Pen or or anything, you're getting a mono source. It's it's the exact same thing sent to both ears. And that means that you have no direction. So if I'm in a meeting and I put a Roger Pen or the iPhone in live listen mode in the center of a table, it's really important for me to hear first via the eye via my hearing aids microphones where somebody is speaking from, because when I activate the Roger pen exclusively, I don't know where they're speaking from. Everybody's coming through both ears in exactly the same way. And I have told hearing aid manufacturers about this, and it's amazing how difficult it is to get them to understand that. Uh, it, it's very frustrating. Uh, the other thing, I don't know if you found this, Mike, but with live listen, there is quite a bit of latency. Yeah. Um, just <laughs> enough so that when just you speak, you really notice yourself what, echoing back. Yeah. <laughs> when we're trying to have a conversation, because it causes your own voice to, to sort of change as you're trying to deal with this lag. And yes. Sarah, Sarah certainly has noticed that when we've experimented with uh, with doing that. <laughs> yeah. Now, this WB chip is coming into its own again with AirPods. It's really great to see that um, the AirPods are becoming part of the Find My network now. I presume this must be, is it just AirPods Pro? There, there are so many models now. Yeah. But those AirPods that have the W1 chip, you'll now be able to locate them like an AirTag. And it's mm -hmm. even got proximity detection in there. So if you bury your AirPod in a couch, you should be able to find it. I lost one of mine under the couch one time, but I didn't know that's where it was. And there are actually third-party apps that will make your AirPod ding, but it happened to be under the couch, couldn't hear it, and the apps didn't tell you the proximity part's the best part about this. Yes, yeah. Yeah, that will be a huge help. And, and again, because I've just got second-generation AirPods, I won't be able to get that, but, but that is a good idea. Because uh, because it, it it is I've done it I've left my earpod behind and and realized thankfully in time to recover it, uh, but yeah it's it's easy to do, so very happy they've they've added that at least for the the more modern, uh, more expensive AirPods. <laughs> Sometime in the next three hundred and sixty five days you'll be having a birthday though won't you? This this is true. <laughs> yep, this is true. Yeah yeah. Um, spatial audio coming to tvOS. So this is good. That makes sense. And, um, we, we would expect that with all the emphasis on spatial audio that Apple is doing at the moment in music, on TV, and everywhere else. But um, only for AirPods Pro or AirPods Max. Yes. Uh, okay. Thank you very much. Okay. What, which one have you got? Oh, so I've AirPods. Got like, I've got like the first gen ones, the basic ones. Ooh. Oh, well, well, you've got a birthday coming up. Your birthday's just been. Yeah. <laughs> Got a while. <laughs> so shall we have a look at iPad OS, which I have to say uh, is playing catch up, isn't it? Because Apple really got badly pinged last year. Mm -hmm. And since then, they have introduced this lovely new iPad Pro powered by the M1 Mac. And everybody said, yeah, well, this is all very well, but you need the software to match the specs of the hardware. Uh, last year, we got widgets on the iPhone moving to anywhere you want on your home screen, but iPad OS did not, which was extraordinary, really. So they've got parity there and also some changes to the way multitasking works. I got a bit lost on the description of 
the actual changes to multitasking. Did anybody get a grip on all of that? No, Heidi? It kind of sounded like you could slide, you'd slide an app to the edge and that, that would sort of make room for another app that, that then could split the screen between those two apps. And you'd, there was a shelf for elements within an app. Like if you wanted to leave a, a mail message in a window, uh, to work on at the same time as something else, you could sort of do that too. So it, it sounded fairly, uh, you know, it, it in depth in terms of that. So you, you'll be able to sort of take like notes or files from in an app and, and put, and open them to have them viewed as, as part of a split screen. And they were talking about the shelf, uh, that you can sort of stick stuff on kind of. So it, it, uh, presumably that will all work with voiceover. Yeah, that would, that, they're normally very careful about that. Did you notice anything from a visual perspective, Heidi? Yeah, they've done a lot. So I don't think I've ever used an iPad with multitasking, but I've seen them used. Uh, so what they've done now is when you're in an app, there's now a new button in the top center of the screen, which you can tap and that you can choose how you want your window displayed essentially so you can choose to move it to the left the right make it full screen or make it one of the floaty ones that i can't remember the name of what, what are those called the like docking uh, like yeah. slide over or something yes yeah, yeah 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 and then when you choose that so say you've got notes full screen and you choose you want it on the right it then slides it so it's hidden and takes you back to your home screen so you can choose any app to open up on the other side so instead of having to drag it up from the dock which i think is what you have to do currently you can just it lets you go back into the full system and choose what you're pairing together very good and All right. it's hard to understand how that's easier <laughs> I, I don't know yeah. They mentioned a new set of of keyboard shortcuts, which made me take a note here that I really wish Alt Tab, or sorry, Command Tab, would come back to the iPhone. It used to work, and then they decided that uh, Command Tab on the iPad was a feature, and they took Command Tab away from the iPhone. This is where this is this worked exactly like Alt Tab does in Windows, and it yeah. used to work on iOS a long time ago. Now it doesn't. I really wish we could have that back. All right, Notes um, on the iPad has uh, received quite a significant revamp, and I think Apple does an epic job with their Notes app. It's actually really useful. It's got a lot of utility, and now it includes mentions, so that's pretty common practice these days with uh, Notes apps that support collaboration. Uh, there's an activity view that shows what has changed in a shared note since you last tuned in. And you can also add a tag to a note. And then there is a tag browser so that you can quickly find notes by tags. This is really good if you're working on a project, for example, and you want to yeah. group a, a range of notes that, together. That, that, I, I guess you that might. Bring, yeah, you use, you use Ulysses tags a lot, didn't you, Mike? Well, I, use, I actually use Bear for my notes. And that's one of its main features is, is that you don't have to use folders and things. You can just put tags to organize your notes with, and it just keeps everything. You can just pull out a sidebar, choose the tag, and uh, it's a really quick way of just having organized notes without having to actually organize the notes into books or folders. So I quite uh, it's it sounds like that that's a big thing they're bringing into the Apple Notes mm -hmm. app, which uh, which I uh, I will have to take for a spin. Every 
WWDC, we sort of say, what third-party app has Apple killed today? Um, (laughs) They they eventually get there. Um, There are um, system-wide translation options. So this applies to everywhere, but they mentioned it in iPadOS, but it works on iPhone too. You can select text, including a photo, and then you can choose to translate it, and it goes ahead and does that. So uh, that's a nice feature. Oh, and it's on the Mac as well, I see here from my notes. And, and every yeah, go ahead. It's it's on device. Like you could have these languages operating on your device without any internet connectivity needed. So that I can see that being huge for like business applications. You know, as people travel again all over the world and and need that and need it sort of private and secure, you can have that now. Yeah, I wish I had had this stuff when I was traveling to countries yeah. where English wasn't the first language. I'm not really doing that now, but um, it, it's very good. You can build apps for submission to the App Store all on an iPad now. And I really hope that this encourages more blind people to get into development. I know that people have had a good play with Swift Playgrounds and that it seems to be you know, a great experience. In fact, um, there's a, a blind developer who's doing great things, who's had a lot to do with Swift Playgrounds and the accessibility experience. you building an app, Heidi? Um, I haven't built an app. Maybe mm. I could. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'd that... need a Mac or an iPad though now. Oh well, I'll buy yep. you one if you. What, let me think of an <laughs> app I need that doesn't exist. You build apps, yes. Yeah, <laughs> you could take up a collection. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Send <laughs> all your requests my way. Right. <laughs> right. So let's talk about uh, Apple is doubling down on privacy. They've been emboldened, I think, by the way that their do not track feature has been received with certain apps. Uh, I've read some statistics about the take up of this feature on apps like Facebook, and it's huge. It's like last I read, it was about 80 percent, I think, who hit that ask app not to track button. And people are pressing that ask app not to track button regularly. So people want this and it's sending shivers and shudders through the uh, various industries Um, Now we have a really big one, a big one. And this relates to the little beacons that apps like MailChimp and and a lot of these mass emailings that you get that look like they're addressed to you, but they're mass mail. And people want to collect this data. They want to know, and people spending money on it want to know how many people have read my ad, uh, how many people have acted on it. Apple was basically taking that away by allowing you to block these beacons. Uh, this is a huge play from them. Yep. Stunned into silence, we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, you, you just watch. This is, there are going to be a lot of complaints about this. Um, as a consumer, I think it's you know, comforting. Uh, as somebody who does have to send out some of these emails in my day job, um, you know, it, it really does sometimes help us to know who has read them, who's opened them. Um, so this is going to be an interesting we fight play out. Um, oh, yeah, because now we have, uh, you know, I, I kind of wonder whether we'll reach a point where consumers are really going to regret, you know, that we'll get to a point where we start dismantling stuff we take for granted now on the Internet that's funded by this data collection and data sale. Uh, are we going to reach a point where we, we we kind of think twice about hitting that do not track button? 
Well, see, this is right. And this is where um, you see some of these apps now getting quite inventive about their pitches. So what, what you're seeing with some of these apps now is that they will pop up a screen before Apple's screen. And on that first screen, they'll try and sell to you why you should allow the mm. app to track. And they're getting quite inventive and pleading and explaining, you know, this helps us keep it free or or whatever. And then you get the Apple screen. So that they're trying to persuade. And I wonder how email uh, list providers will do the same thing. Yeah. Um, you can also now go in iOS 15, you can go into an app privacy report for every app that you have. When you run an app and it asks, say, for permission to access stuff on your network or permission to use your mic or your camera, you will then be able to delve into an uh, app privacy report for each of the apps you have, and it will tell you how frequently it is taking advantage of those permissions. And what else do we have? Oh, then we went on to talking about Siri uh, in the context of privacy, because there has been a lot of controversy about various voice services listening to you, taking recordings, and they say, well, we're taking them for data analysis purposes, but sometimes they've been requested by authorities, that kind of thing. Siri has now got on-device speech recognition. So obviously that can't be recorded, but what it also means is that when Siri doesn't have to go out to the internet for information, like, for example, on-device functions, um, turning on your do not disturb, various things like that that pertain to a device function, I presume querying your calendar because it will be on your device, it's going to be very, very quick, which will be a huge relief because it is amazing how often Siri stumbles and falls talking to its server and says, hmm, on it, and all sorts of other nebulous things. <laughs> yes, I'm actually... I... <laughs> Very looking forward to that, because uh, I've had many requests that you'd think would just be handled anyway on the device uh, hang because of, of that reach out. So I'm very happy with this. Did you I have something there, this seems to be This seems Judy? to be worse lately. Yeah, um, Apple's finally pushed the like pages to their website telling us all about the things. So I have fine print about the this in particular um with the siri on device you have to have an iphone with at least an a12 bionic chip and you have to download the speech speech modules which i guess makes sense and then they've got all the places that it's actually going to be available listed as well so, so it's not everywhere the a12 goes back to what 10r i think that's the 10 right and the 10s Okay, so that would that will mean the SE twenty twenty gets that, doesn't it? Um, so that's good. That's oh, does it? Yes, I think. Yeah, d d it doesn't have a list of models there, does it, Heidi? No, it just says with A twelve or okay. later. I'll have to go back and well, check. Well, the SE twenty twenty has the didn't that have the A? It was either the A fourteen or A thirteen. What are we up to now? What's the what's the the twelve has has the fourteen chip? I, that was, uh, yeah. Okay. I didn't realize we were up to that higher number. Um, but okay, yeah, I, I, I lose track of the model numbers. So I'm sure people will chime in on this in a minute. Um, so that's great. So we'll look for, and they also said that Siri has a lot of new features this year. Uh, I don't know whether there's any more information on the website about um, iOS 15 and Siri and the new features they were referring to, but that's good because it really has lagged. Um, then we talked about... 
what happens if you get locked out of your Apple ID? And I've actually had to try and help family members who got into this predicament for, for various reasons. And um, now you can give a, a like a recovery code to friends or family to help you get back in, which is really good as the kind of family tech support person. I will happily store those codes in a safe place and uh, that will make life a lot easier. And also, just like Google, who've done this for a long time now, uh, Apple is introducing legacy contacts so that when you eventually shuffle off this mortal coil, um, you will be able to, you know, somebody will be able to get into your Apple stuff and let Apple know that you know, they shouldn't really be taking money from you, you anymore because you're dead. But I'm I'm hoping that I will be uploaded to the cloud before that happens. That's, that's, <laughs> so I, can, I can just keep running as a routine. Um, so that's my that's my goal. I want to upload myself. Um, now there's there's iCloud Plus, and um, this doubles down to more on privacy. So. They've got this thing called Private Relay, and that encrypts the traffic that leaves your device, and then it's sent through two separate internet relays, so it's very hard to decrypt. It sounds a bit like a kind of a VPN, but VPNs are typically a bit laggy. They they affect performance. Apple claims that performance is not going to be compromised with this feature. Now, this Hide My Email feature, uh, is an interesting one because I I worry about the abuse potential for this, and I guess the devil will be in the detail, but it lets you share unique private email addresses, uh, and then when people reply to those addresses, they'll come back to your regular email box. So it's kind of like the sign-in with Apple option that you already have. You can delete these, well, for want of a better term, burner email addresses at any time. Any thoughts on that from anyone? But wouldn't it be like the credit card where you can get a burner credit card number now from your bank and use that when you're concerned about a transaction. I suppose. And but what if somebody sends, yeah, I guess it is traceable in the end, isn't it's it? It's a one-time like, thing. Well, I mean, that's, that's what would make it work is that it only works one time. Yeah. I guess what I'm getting at is if, if somebody sends an email that's abusive or defamatory or, you know, something like that. I guess in the end, if 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 people became involved who needed to investigate that, if if you had performed some sort of illegal action with it, then Apple would have to disclose, I presume, wouldn't they? That that's the thing that worries me is just if you know, they would what, disclose what anything mischief, else about you. Yeah, what mischief could people make with these burner email addresses? Yeah, you know, they could um, go get one from Gmail now. Yes, that is true. I mean. Um, yeah. So anyway, that's 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 cool. Um, I can see the value in it too. Obviously, sometimes you 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 may want to be kept up to date. Say a conference. This is a really good example, actually. You want to sign up to a conference that you want to attend, but sometimes those conference providers take the liberty of spamming you forever more <laughs> once you've attended the conference. And so if you could use one of these email addresses for that, then you could just delete the email address when the conference is over. I don't know if that's the way it's going to work. I got the impression it wasn't persistent, that it was a one-time, you know, you if you you could just generate an email address that wasn't yours, you'd use it, and then it would go away. My, my number says you can delete it, them at any time. So ah, that, yeah. that they are persistent. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's in your iCloud settings. You can create a new iCloud address 
and then when you're done with it, you can delete it. Yeah. Mm. You can do that now with Gmail. Yeah. 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 Fair comment. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, what else have we got with iCloud Plus? Uh, it's got some features for connecting security cameras and it's doorbells. It's unlimited now. Um, yeah, unlimited, so that doesn't count against your storage. Um, mm. I don't know if this is a New Zealand thing, but it's hard to find at the moment doorbells that are compatible with HomeKit. Have not tried? Yeah. Well, we've got the Ring Video doorbell, and I do not like it. I'd be happy happy to replace it with um, a HomeKit compatible option if I could just find one. And perhaps Apple's new open standard that they're working on, who I, I didn't catch the name of that open standard, but they're working on it with a bunch of other um, home appliance manufacturers that could help with this. Uh, changes in the health app. Walking steadiness measure, measures how fast and how evenly you walk. So that will be good. I guess it could provide you with some warning. Um, interpreting lab results. So that's good when you get your lab results, assuming you can get them in an accessible format and you can tell the health app about them. It'll tell you how your lab results compare. You know, are they in the normal range? Should you be alarmed? What do all these statistics mean? That's a fantastic feature. And you can also, if there is a compatible medical record system, share your data uh, selectively, so the data that you want to share with a medical professional. And you can set up a, like a family circle where your health data can be available to other people. They really may, I thought they told it quite beautifully in terms of the use case for this. There is a point in your life when you're in the middle and you've got perhaps elderly parents who you are supporting and potentially children that you're supporting as well. Uh, or perhaps two at different times. So this is a this is a nice feature if it's handled carefully. Mm-hmm. Um, WatchOS, kind of a bit of a you know, WatchOS was a bit quiet this year. Um, the enhanced breathing app is great, so uh, that includes reflections. Now I know people can be a bit scathing about the Breathe app, but um, mindfulness is a is a good practice. You can now track your respiratory rates in the Sleep app and elsewhere, which can give you some clues as to uh, your health. Anybody using the sleep app, by the way? I use it. Mm. I, Why? I guess I, I use auto sleep on my, uh, for, for my watch. Okay. And what, what, is it, what does auto sleep give you? Uh, it gives a bit more in terms of deep sleep versus non-deep Like it tries to track the stages of your sleep. And, and if I had like a more advanced watch, I guess it would track blood, blood oxygen and to keep track of more factors, uh, apparently the the sleep app in in the health uh, or on the Apple the regular one is is a bit more basic. So it th- th- I, I like hearing that they've added more to it. That's uh, that's going to to do some good and and it's not like uh, like uh, for for a lot of people you don't really need anything super detailed, you know, unless you have known sleep issues. Uh, so I, I, I can see that this is being a, a pretty good addition. How about the sleep app, Heidi, that's default? That's what you're using, right? How does that work yeah. for you? It works pretty well. I mainly started using it because Henry's sleep schedule is so screwed up that it screwed up mine, and I wanted to <laughs> re-regulate oh. mine. So I've been using it to sort of get back on track and monitor how well I'm sleeping and things like that, and it works 
pretty well for me. Yeah, because Henry works sometimes during the day and then sometimes he has to switch and work during the night. And, yeah, and then yeah. in the days in between, his sleep schedule like rises and falls all over the show, so he doesn't even have a sleep schedule. <laughs> Is he using the sleep app? No. <laughs> <laughs> they mentioned the workout app. Um the no, sorry, the fitness fitness plus stuff. Is anybody using the fitness plus? Ah, oh, I have tried. I have really tried. Yeah. It is. It is. There are a few that are accessible enough to use, but a very few. Um, it's they just have done made no effort at describing what they're doing. It's really difficult. I was really disappointed by it. I got the trial yeah. and then decided not to keep it because of exactly that. Yeah, unusual for Apple because I, I really had high hopes. It's one area where accessibility is let the side down. I wrote to the accessibility email address about it and they never answered me. <laughs> really? Oh, I mean, normally you would at least get it, we'll pass your feedback on, which basically means they're not going to answer you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's certainly a, a, a widely spread disappointment among the blind. I've I've seen a lot of commentary on Twitter and other places about that. And I, I kind of share it. I can use the, the walk. There's some uh, uh, podcast kind of talks. Yes, audio with, walking things. Are uh, yeah, nice. but that's that's really the, the only thing I've, I've been able to really make use of with the fitness app so some far. Some of the yoga, yoga uh, ones in there are actually pretty usable because they actually oh, okay. do describe it enough mm. to do it. There's another third-party app that specifically audio-based workouts, and the name is blanking on me. Um, uh, app Yeah, there's, there's, there's a couple of them. There's several, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's my next book, so. Oh, well, good. <laughs> well, there we stay, are. <laughs> stay tuned. And, of course, I actually bought, when they were on sale, um, all of the Blind Alive workouts, and they're really good. I enjoy those. Support for find items. Hooray! It's come to the Apple Watch. It was very strange when I got my AirTags and, and I realized that the Find app on the watch is just called Find People. <laughs> yes. And so you could you couldn't yeah. find your stuff on the Apple Watch, but you will be able to in Watch OS 8. Yeah. It's good. Are you um using AirTags, Judy? Yes. Um I have them and I have deployed them, but I haven't had to actually use them. Right, okay. They haven't yeah. lost anything. <laughs> What's the verdict? I guess you've played with the proximity thing. I think the proximity thing is very cool. And, and I mean, the, the implementation is great. I wish the sound was louder. Yeah. And, I, I mean, I don't have a hearing impairment, and I have trouble hearing them. And I wish the sound was would continue. It, it's only a couple of little things, and that's it. It stops. Yeah. Oh, and well, it'll be it would good. Be, Go ahead. It would be better if it was. It was like you know when you when you ping your iPhone with your watch, it just pings one time. But if you actually tell Siri to find your iPhone, it'll keep pinging. Just I don't understand why they did that. Yes, yes, it's it's really not good. It, the, it goes for a very short time and it's not particularly loud, yeah. but the proximity makes up for it. So um, it does. It's great. Yeah. I'm um, just looking to, uh, at other notes that, that I've made here. Uh, there was some comment on tvOS, some fairly minor changes there. Um, shared with you has a row in tvOS, and there's also a for all of you row, which I guess tries to collate all the interests of family members. I presume it works based on family sharing. And um, 
We'll yeah, something like that. But like the way they showed it is it's like there's the for all of you row and then there's like an edit button in the row and you can select the profiles of the people who are actually watching at the time. Oh, which is pretty cool. So you can change oh, it based on like if it's just you and Bonnie or you and Bonnie and me and Richard and David and Nicola, for example. The show <laughs> knows what the heck it would come up with then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, excellent. Uh, HomePod Mini can be selected as the speakers for your Apple TV 4K. Now, I don't understand this. You can do it now. I, I have HomePod, two HomePods. I guess it's the because it's the minis. Because right now I have two HomePods for my speakers for my Apple TV, 4K. Yes, so HomePods could already do it, and now they're letting the HomePods minis do it as well. And you can do it in New Zealand. Great. (laughs) They've missed the boat. I mean, in New Zealand, we're very much a soup drinker country because they arrived here first, and um, everybody's got it. And in fact, the Ministry of Social Development spent a large amount of money (laughs) – no, I'm telling you – they spent a large amount of money to give any blind person who wants one an Amazon Echo for free. Oh, wow. Yeah, so why haven't you got your one yet? Because I feel – I feel tremendously uncomfortable <laughs> about somebody on my income taking a free Amazon Echo from the government. I don't think that's appropriate. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, now, sorry, Mike, did you have something on that? Well, that's a, that's a good thought. I, mean, I guess with the – it sounds to me like they're kind of trying to – maybe they'll do more development with the HomePod minis uh, and, and kind of bring more sort of rich features to deal with governing the home – sort of making it a, a sort of a home hub thing, kind of like the Echoes already are. Mm. They are amazing. They're, they sound so tremendous. You can't imagine. And two of them are, are so much better than one. I mean, the more than pods. twice as good. Yeah, the minis. Yeah, the minis. Okay. Yeah. So how would you compare them with the Sonos range? They're 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 different. I mean, Sonos doesn't have any tiny little things like that. I mean, this is a tennis ball. I mean, it's it's the smallest little thing, and it sounds so good. Yeah, have you seen the Sonos Roam? I do. I have a Sonos Roam, and I've listened to your podcast, and I still can't figure out how to use it. Oh no! <laughs> <It's, Ooh>. oh. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I keep thinking. I keep thinking I'm going to sit down with this thing and figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> Now, Siri comes to third-party devices. Now, that actually had me yelling, exclaiming in surprise. Um, Scaring ob- the guide dog. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Obviously, uh, Apple is, is feeling the pressure with Google Home and particularly the Amazon Echo engine, who I won't name because it triggers it. Um, <clears throat> they're, they're, they're clearly having to respond to that. So Siri coming to third-party apps, uh, third-party devices – is a massive play on Apple's part. Mm. Yeah. I'd be interested to see where it goes and who will who will adopt it and where we will see it. Really cool. Now, there is, what else have we got here? Uh, oh, the package detection. So Judy's happy about that. I like that. Yeah. But, of course, that'll only work if you have, like, the wide field of view camera that can actually see, like, the step in front of it. And if you have a camera. <laughs> well, that too, yeah. Or some cameras just sort of look at the bit where a person, like the I mean, top half of a person is. Do I shine my phone out the front door and have it look for a packet? 
I, I did notice that my um, Ring video doorbell has now started to get a bit smarter. And when a person comes to the door, rather than just saying there is motion at your front door, it says there is a person at your front door. So uh-uh. everybody's getting there. Let's talk about Mac OS Monterey. Um, not too much here, really, but um, universal control lets you use a single mouse and keyboard to move between the Mac and the iPad. Now, Many people are doing this with Bluetooth keyboards already, such as those from Logitech, where you can have three devices paired with the one keyboard and switch between them. But of course, the difference is you could use any keyboard because it's all being handled in the operating system level and you can switch between your devices uh, in software. So let me see. AirPlay. AirPlay to Mac. Now, this is nice. So you can use your Mac as an AirPlay receiver. Rogue Amoeba had an app that handled this. I think it was called Airfoil Speakers or something like that. But now AirPlay is built in so that the Mac can be a receiver. This makes a lot of sense because the speakers in some of these Macs are just tremendous. So if you can send stuff via AirPlay to them, that makes a lot of sense. And shortcuts coming to the Mac. Now, you have to read the code here. What they are saying is that uh, the Automate features of Mac are going away. Uh, They talked about how this is the start of a multi-year transition. So what they're signaling is start using shortcuts instead of automation because it's going away at some point. So uh, there was also going to be some Mac-specific shortcut-related features as well. Um, I hope that shortcuts are improved in iOS 15 because... Something's happened in the last, I think it was with iOS 14, where they don't they don't execute the way they used to, particularly if you tap them. It, it's, it's a similar experience with Siri, but if you tap them, you seem to get additional weird confirmation dialogues that, that, that affect the workflow of them. Anybody else seen this? Yes, I, I have seen that. Yeah, I don't it, think so, it, but I don't do much with shortcuts, really. Uh. I, I have all sorts of shortcuts, but they've become a lot less useful. So do I. Yeah, yeah. So and they I'm stop hoping and to ask you questions. Yes. Yeah. All right, and then uh, tab groups. So tab groups are coming to Safari for the Mac, and they let you save groups of tabs and load them later. And web extensions are coming to Safari for iPhone and iPad as well. So that is a pretty exciting. Uh, don't know. Are the, are the web extensions now all like uh, compatible with each with each other? The, 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 for example, can you run a web extension from Chrome um, that you that you uh, the, in Safari? I think you might be able to. Anyway, we'll find out. So that's a really brief. No, it's not a really brief. <laughs> it feels like it is. It's it's like an overview of what's going on in uh, Apple land. Any final comments before we open this up for comments from the world? Um, I just want to say that the redesigned Safari looks really good. And the one thing I miss most about my Mac and not having it anymore is Safari. Why is that? I don't know. It was just always such an amazing web browsing experience for me. And everything else just isn't as good. And like you used to be able to get Safari for Windows, but they stopped that years ago and it made me really sad. Oh, oh dear. Yeah. Well, (laughs) yeah, I must admit it's looking like a pretty cool package. So um, any closing thoughts on 
the whole WWDC keynote? Uh, I would have I kind of liked to see a bit more about accessibility sort of make it into the keynote. I always feel like developers really pay attention to those, and, and it's always a good idea uh, to showcase some of what's coming in, in accessibility with that. But uh, I, I do uh, think that well, I'll, I'll be keeping a very close ear on the rest of the, the what what is uh, offered in in the pavilions and the uh, videos. What I can access as a non-developer for the rest of WWDC to see what other details are uh, are going to come out that uh, didn't make the keynote because I, I get the feeling there's there's going to be a lot uh, this year. So you, you don't given... think that the approach that they took where they made a massive number of accessibility announcements on Global Accessibility Awareness Day about iOS 15 and watchOS 8, all that detail, you don't think that was the right approach? I'm not sure. I I, I like uh, how they did that. I, I just wonder how, it, like, if developers kind of caught made special efforts to catch that or whether it might have been better to to spring it on them in it during the conference uh it'll be interesting to see uh i certainly appreciated the the earlier heads up and for the i know the conscientious developers uh you know that keep an eye out on the on this sort of thing i'm sure they did too but i always kind of wonder about the people who maybe aren't paying as much attention and, and just are busy developing their apps without the awareness, right, of, of what they could do to make it better for us and, and how to capture more of their attention. Mm. Judy, any final thoughts? They didn't mention LiDAR at all. Oh. What, what, <laughs> what, what would you have liked <laughs> to have seen right. with, with LiDAR? Uh, they're going to increase it from 16 feet to 30 feet. That would be nice. Is I that possible? I think that's a hardware limitation. It probably is, but well, but then that's the next phone's going to have hardware that's going to increase it from sixteen feet. Well, to then that would come in the iPhone event, wouldn't it? Well, yeah, maybe. Yeah, but they'd have to yep. tell these guys. Yeah, I, I, I just think I just think it's very cool, and and it's only going to get cooler. But I just want it to get cooler faster. <laughs> I, I get the feeling that the reason why we didn't hear much about watchOS 8 is that a lot is going to be dependent on what comes next in the hardware. There are still pretty persistent rumors about the glucometer. And if oh, that comes, that, that will be a big, big deal. for You, you will oh. see a massive take-up in uh, the Huge. blind community on the Apple Watch. Yeah. All right. Let's open it up. And um, thank you for your patience. We'll go to Marvin Rush, who's our first guest. Welcome, Marvin. Well, good afternoon, Jonathan and everybody. Thanks for letting me in. Uh, <clears throat> just a couple of things. The one thing that sort of surprised me was at the beginning of the event, they talked about uh, now letting androids into FaceTime <laughs> calls, and that was a shocker. Uh <clears throat> And there's a lot of things that ex that are kind of exciting like with, uh, <clears throat> you know, with Watch OS 8. Uh, um, that's going to be neat when all the neat stuff comes out in the messages. But, uh, <clears throat> and you're right on the on the phones. I I've had several friends, and I've really discourage them from getting an SE 2020. Yeah. Um, I went with the iPhone 12 mini just because of the smaller platform and things like that. 
Uh, but I, I think there's just a lot of really neat stuff coming and, um, you know, I'll be excited like everybody else to, to play with them. I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony and um, take everybody by the hand and show them that face ID really isn't that bad. I, I, I just, it seems like there's a training deficit out there in the blind community to do with face ID and people are struggling with it in many cases. And it's so unfortunate because yeah, they, they, the iPhone SE is um, not turning out to be a good purchase. It's, it's becoming obsolete pretty quickly. Well, well there did was such a an extraordinary curve. job. <laughs> what was that? A learning curve on face ID, but I mean, it's not horrible. I mean, yes, it took me a couple of weeks to figure out, um, you know, exactly where to position the phone, where the face ID works. But once you learn that, then, you know, the learning curves over. But anyway, thanks for picking me up, Jonathan. Everybody have a great day. Thank you, Marvin. Appreciate that. Uh, but Heidi Mark, did such an ahead, extraordinary job. Heidi did such an extraordinary job at teaching us all how to set up Face ID. Do you remember that? Uh, yeah, I really should perhaps dig that out and rebroadcast it. It, it, it was it was great and it was super helpful and I remember mm-hmm. it every time I have to do it. And I've I've suggested it to many people. You remember take uh, you know send your nose around the circle of a clock. Yes, <laughs> it's a really, really good analogy. But it really um, helped. It yeah, glad, really helped. Glad I could help. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, go to uh, Marco next. Hi, Marco. Hi there, everybody. Hey, it's uh, it's almost wow. Well, I was first in line, dear. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's almost uh, 10 p.m. in Germany right now. That's where I live. Yes. So it's. Uh, um, I have a couple of thoughts. Um, for one thing, I thought, gosh, this one was packed with information. Yes. It was it was amazing? Yeah. How, how quickly they fired off all that info, and uh, um, one thing that I found very interesting was the. Um, the focused, uh, no, sorry, the, um, uh, the, the focus on the speaker when you're wearing AirPods. I think this is going to be something for AirPods Pro, the ones with the noise cancelling and the AirPods Max, uh, but n- not necessarily for the standard AirPod models. Um, because I think the way I understood it was that you could also oh. use this, for example, in... Um, in transparency mode, when you're in a noisy environment, that it actually reduces the ambient noise. I was thinking of a, of a, you know, one of these typical American hugely loud restaurant places that we used to go to when we were traveling to accessibility conferences. <laughs> um, and um, even though I don't have a hearing impairment, I have autism. And uh, one of the traits of autism can be that um, the brain isn't able to filter noise, noises as well as um, with neurotypical people. So basically everything that I hear around me and the person maybe I am talking to is actually really, really um, 
noisy and mushy and stuff like that. And I can actually see um, myself benefiting from this, even though I don't have a hearing impairment, um, to be able to focus on the person I am talking to and being able to reduce those ambient noises around me. That's That sounded like a real cool feature. Yeah, that does sound really cool. Brilliant. I appreciate your thoughts there, Marco. And I agree with you. Uh, I said to Heidi, I don't recall a WWDC that's so packed because particularly with the live events, what you get is a lot of sycophantic cheering. And it was sort of cute and funny to hear Tim Cook acknowledging all the applauding emojis at the beginning there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, that was nice. And without the audio description, we would have been a bit lost about what was going on there. Um, they did a good job True. with the audio description. But uh, yeah, I, it, it, I, I do not recall a WWDC that was that information packed. And I guess that's my only worry. There's so much new in here that has the potential to be um, so significant. It makes me wonder, you know, how buggy is this going to be? <laughs> yeah, this, the first uh, two or three betas will probably be very interesting. Um I don't know if I'll install them on my regular phone just yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, one other thing I was really excited about, excited about was that universal um, feature, like the, 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 the way you can control uh, an iPad, a Mac, or another Mac um, from like one mouse or trackpad. The mouse isn't that interesting for us, but... Uh, from what I understood, it is that you basically it's it's seamless. It's not like you have to switch like with a Bluetooth keyboard. You have to switch connections. You can you. What they did was they moved the mouse pointer to the edge of a screen, and then just where the iPad was sitting to the left of the of the Mac, and then it appeared on that iPad. And it, and it I know that they they dragged a picture from one app in, on the iPad, I think it was Procreate, across the MacBook to the iMac into Final Cut with just the trackpad. And I thought that was pretty amazing. <laughs> Can you uh, comment on the visuals there, Heidi, on what they showed? Uh, yeah, so the way they showed it is when you like initially try to do universal control, like a little bar pops up on the side of the device it thinks you want to go to. And if that's correct, you just keep moving the trackpad in that direction and then with the keyboard essentially wherever the mouse whichever device the mouse was focused on the keyboard was working for that device so i don't know how that translates to an accessibility perspective but that's the basic functionality interesting going to be inter very interesting yeah. to see how that plays out yeah yeah well, i also i also look forward to safari tab groups i i am a real bad tabs user like I, I open tons of them yeah. when I research something and stuff like that and I really look forward to being able to organize those into tab groups and the way they go they're going to um, you know sync across devices is, is going to be very 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 amazing okay I've got to and ask I, you about I, this so we had a listener who was uh, writing into Mosin at large in the last full show who said that he was looking for a new computer uh, and it needed to be grunty because he wanted to do audio and a whole lot of things. And then he said he can sometimes have, you know, over 100 tabs open at a time. And my question is, why? Why? What, what are you doing with all those tabs? Um, 
the way it works for me usually is I start researching something and find some valuable information when I when I write a blog post, for example. Yeah. Um, and then I need to find something else, either from the resource I am currently checking out. So I open a link in a new tab, mm -hmm. or I think of something else that I need to research uh, on the same topic, and then I open a new tab and, and Google it. And then, but because I re still need the other information, I keep the other tab open and they just pile up. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's not like hundreds for me, but uh, I was uh, doing a lot of research because I'm, uh, I want to get back into making music with the complete control keyboards and all that stuff and with using Logic Pro on, on, on the Mac. And I was doing research. I was watching YouTube videos. I was reading resources uh, and stuff. And so I suddenly had like 25 or 30 tabs open on that research alone because there was just so much stuff that I wanted to keep open and reference. And uh, yeah, and, and, and I still wanted to do some other browsing too. And then, then it became really like tedious to go through all my tabs and uh, stuff. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to being able to organize those into tab groups and uh, do my research and then maybe even pile up more tabs into these tab groups as time goes on uh, and as a project evolves. But yeah, that, that's how, how I end up with lots of tabs. Okay. Um, Usually, I guess I've just been using computers too long, and I close things when I don't think I need them anymore. And I probably don't need to do that, but you know, I like I like it all clean, sort of clean and neat. So it's interesting the way people I, use these things differently. I, I sometimes have four or five tabs open, but that would be about my limit. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I used to do that too, but um, I found that oftentimes I actually find more stuff the longer I uh, the longer I you know, dive into a project, and right. uh, and so yeah, I would uh, I, I I tend to keep them open, especially with the M1 Mac that doesn't break a sweat no matter what you throw at it. Like it's it's just such an amazing beast. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> All yeah, right, well, it's well. Thanks for sharing your perspective, and I uh, look forward to uh, playing with the betas, of course, in due course. I'm not sure if I'm brave enough to install developer beta one, but we'll you never know. I will definitely not do that. I don't have a spare device right now. Yeah. Um, so I'll be very, very careful. Yes, I, I have an encrypted so, backup just in case. Yeah. Yeah, me too, but still. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Good to hear from you. Thanks, have, a lovely, Jonathan. have a lovely evening in Germany. Thanks. All right. Bye bye. bye. Uh, and let's uh, go back to the United States and talk to Christopher next. Hi, Christopher. Yes. Hey there. Uh, yeah. Um, no, I, uh, absolutely. I mean, WWDC was actually definitely a little more packed than I thought it would be. Uh, and actually the, 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 the hugest hit for me besides, um, well, uh, actually I, 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 um, I forget, uh, I forget what else at the top of my head. I, 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 uh, I texted to a friend of mine while we were both, you know, you know, attending this thing online, you know, it, we, 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 uh, the, the wallet thing, uh, the fact that you almost no longer need your wallet, that to me is just, oh my gosh, like I would love to see state IDs. Uh, I, I would, I would, I would love to see New Hampshire participate in this because, oh my gosh, that would be such a humongous. Okay. That, that, that would be, that would be a huge relief. Now I'll probably still, of course, have it on standby, 
but oh my gosh, I mean, just like for traveling and such, because 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 I wasn't still somewhat am a a a, a, a traveler before COVID hit, and uh, well, you know, and quite honestly, like just I mean, just just the fact of taking out an ID at an airport. I mean, look, it's 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 easy, but it's kind of boring you could say i would rather just two finger you know not two finger sorry uh double press on the side button and just load that up there it's so much easier or the or or, or obviously the wallet app because i because i already have most of the time my mobile boarding pass on there anyway so i'm like okay like why like so like why do i have to take out my wallet when i can just you know get it on my phone and um and hotel and, and hotel keys too oh my gosh that that, that would be that would be huge. So actually, these benefits, with regard to the, uh, uh, in regard to, uh, in regard to the wallet app expanding to smart, uh, what smart essentials you could say, uh, that that you would normally carry in a wallet. Uh, I have to admit, this would not only be advantageous for you know sighted people on their own, but blind people too, because sometimes we can lose stuff like that, you know. Mm. So. That was, that, that was that was definitely a humongous highlight. Okay, go ahead. We don't use uh, IDs in New Zealand in that way, but what would make a big difference here right. is if they ever got passports uh, on the. Oh the yeah, yeah mm-hmm. that would, because typically, if we go to an airport, if someone doesn't have a driver's license, they just present a passport. Right. And um, same here, same yeah, here, same here. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Passport card. Yeah. Passport cards. Best thing. So. Yeah. Very good. Yep. All right, and uh, I know you're a Mac user. You excited about what they were offering in Monterey? Is the name of the new operating system, Mac OS Monterey? Uh, yeah, um, uh, 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 yes, uh, uh, certainly, um, certainly that, certainly that, yes, um, yes, airfoil, and it is just airfoil that 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 um, yes, airfoil does uh, um, did accomplish the whole AirPlay and everything deal. But I am very glad that Apple is finally taking the initiative and bringing it to the Mac. So yeah. I, I would, I would, I would, I would love to see that. Um, I would love to see that. And actually, believe it or not, maybe, uh, maybe one of these months, I will think about getting one of my, one of my old hard drives and getting it bootable into Monterey. We'll see what happens. <laughs> so yeah, you never know. We have a Monterey festival on clubhouse. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Lovely. Thank you for your thoughts on that, Christopher. Absolutely. Yes. All right. Thanks. Dean. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Is that what is that working now? It should be because that was a weird, weird thing. Actually, when I actually requested to speak, they actually muted me first, which was rather strange. Well, I so blame the government. Um, I, I'm actually <laughs> running the. Um, I'm actually been quite brave actually and run the beta on here. Um, and there's an, someone actually in voiceover, which is quite intriguing, which I don't really understand. Which has got flat navigation and grouped navigation, which reminds me of the Mac. Okay, so you're saying you're already running the iOS 15? Yeah, I run it. I literally installed it just before I came in here, and it's it's not awful at the minute. Yeah, so far. That's so a very very early impression. But what are you seeing in terms of uh, any voiceover settings changes? Um, not much so far, actually. Um, there's really not much new with voiceover I can see at all here so far, which is a bit disappointing. Now I've literally only like played around for like five minutes, literally zip through the settings, kind of. Um, and just really become fast through it, so there's not really much I've seen. One thing I did see, actually, for people who say, especially new to the iPhone, would you can change the delay for the keyboard. So, like, for example, like when you type and you say you hold down on the key, key and you slide your hands and it pops up with an alternative keyboard below it, you can actually make it longer. So let's say, for example, say someone, say, typing and they keep bringing up the alternative characters by mistake, you can make that delay longer. 
Right, okay. That's, that's interesting. So, obviously, someone, for example, say, who's new to the iPhone, or say, has, like, say, or let the slide type, for example, so you can make that longer so it doesn't react as fast. And have you noticed, have you been able to play with the on-device Siri stuff at this point? Not yet, no. Literally, like, about five minutes ago, I installed it before I came on here. So, <laughs> literally, just right, brand new. Yeah, you, you're obviously on the ball because it'll be a big download as well, I imagine. Sort of four, it was, four gigs, five internet, gigs. So that's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> tremendous. Oh, very good. Oh, I, I appreciate you letting us know. Any other comments you had on the uh, WWDC keynote? I thought the FaceTime thing was exciting. Now, I was wondering, obviously, the screen share thing, when they mentioned it, obviously, I wasn't sure it was on the screen, but could that possibly, for example, like, could say, for example, say, I use them kind of features or not? Or would it just be FaceTime, especially like the screen share? Because obviously there's so many times, for example, when say you need someone say to have a look at your iPhone and tap something, that could be a big game changer for us if it was used properly. Yeah, I'm looking forward to you, having a play with this. Because I'm wondering, obviously, if that can obviously be like, if the API can go to other apps, then Ira possibly could then go in and say, help you, say, for example, with stuff on your iPhone, which obviously right now they can't. Yeah, exactly right. Um, it, I, what it what they didn't seem to be saying was that it was a two-way thing. So I don't think if you are sharing your screen with someone, I don't think you can control the iPhone. You you can't swipe and tap someone else's screen. Yeah, I'm not sure because it, they were like, you can use it to obviously help family and friends and stuff. I think they said in there. That's why I wasn't sure. Yeah. I mean, that would be wonderful if it was a full remote access solution, but I don't think that's what they were promising. All yeah. the – um, documentation on the site is just talking about sharing it to them and showing it to them. It's not talking about them being able to control your screen. Oh, that's so because that is a real shame because I mean, that yeah. would be like so useful for some people, like especially for them, say taking pictures on your phone, like the other day I was trying to take a picture of a, um, I feel it was a, um, like a passport for something. And it, the problem is lining it up with a pain. So obviously Ira could have helped you, but the problem is you had to do it in the app. So you couldn't say, for example, do it outside the app and then put the picture in. You had to line up in the actual app itself. Yeah. It's a bit like if you do a team viewer session with Ira now with the iPhone, they can see your screen, but they have to kind of yeah. guide you where to tap because they can't tap for you. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I thought this year there wasn't – obviously, we never get much about accessibility, obviously, but looking so far, that doesn't seem very much. I could be wrong. Obviously, I've literally just played this for a few minutes. So the, But I'm sure there's probably more than obviously I'm not seeing – and obviously over the beaters we'll obviously see more build up. Hopefully. Right. Well, keep playing and, and let us know how you get on. I'm sure there'll be some comments on the show on uh this weekend about how people are getting on who are brave enough to install this thing. I will. I'll yeah. let you know. All right. I've got back Cheers. the backup device. I'm not using my main device, so there we go. Very sensible. Good on you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Dean. Do you, have, right. do you have a backup device for testing, Judy? Yes, I do. <laughs> You're going to be rocking the 15 beta? Um, probably. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, can't resist. Yes. I, I need to buy like an iPhone 12 mini. Um, I, I have I, an I, SE. <laughs> the, the <laughs> <is> SE. Yeah. <laughs> Tiffany, hi, fantastic. how are you? Hi, Jonathan. I'm great. I actually enjoyed watching the keynote. I missed the first 10 minutes or so, but I, I like the audio description. There's a lot of information in there. Mm -hmm. I hope they continue this after the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, it was it was good value. It was, and what caught my attention was I like the idea of the you know being able to use certain th Siri for certain things without internet because usually if you try to and you have a low connection, she said something about I'm sorry, I'm having trouble connecting or something. So yeah. whether that's just for basic stuff or whatever, that'll be awesome. 
And that's what I'd like to put in Siri and more home products. And I don't have a lot of smart home things. Actually, I don't have any. I'm in an apartment, so I'm kind of limited with what I can do. But I think that's neat that they're trying to get Siri into more places, it sounds like. Right. I hope with competing with the A-Lady. Oh, dear. The jolly old soup drinker. Oh, yeah, the jolly old soup drinker. Yes, yeah, exactly. Mm. Very good. Did, the, did they mention that everything... Oh, gosh. Just a moment while we get someone to mute themselves there. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead, Tiffany. <laughs> sorry. That wasn't on my end, whatever it was. Did they mention any devices being dropped, you know, like support for the updates this time around? Or because I did miss the first 10, 15 minutes if, of if, it. So. If, if, they, if you drop them, you should be more careful with your stuff. They did not mention that, did they, uh, Heidi? We, we haven't seen any specs about which devices iOS 15 will run on. No, there was no announcement, and I don't think it's even on the page about it. So, Right. Okay. Because I, I'm not brave enough to install the beta on my 11, which I'm loving rocking the face ID. <clears throat> it only took me a few minutes to get the hang of it. I love it. Um, but I might be brave enough to install the beta on my old eight if it'll run it. So well, that'll be interesting. What was the last of the, the bottom device from last year? Was was it the six, six, uh, six I, plus or something? I think it was six S. Six S. Six S. Yeah, six S. So I'm pretty confident that it will run on the A's. Yeah, yeah I would think awesome. so. I have to give that a go and see what happens. Let us know how you get on with it. Yeah. I will. I've uh, emailed into Mushroom FM before, so if I can't get you on Clubhouse, I can email it in. But I'll I'll let you know what what happens. Right, that'd be good and lovely to hear from you. Now, uh, that just, was good to hear from you. Thank you. Yeah, just to clarify for people, what we have out today is iOS 15 Developer Beta One. It is not out in public beta yet. What typically happens is that they will send a couple of uh, developer betas out, so that the poor, long-suffering developers can beat up on it. And then you will get usually about beta three, beta four of the developer cycle. You'll get the first public one, which at least has the really, really, really rough edges ironed out. But sometimes you still see some rough uh, voiceover edges as well. I'd be really interested to see what shape it's in. Now, uh, let's see if uh, Joe can talk to us. Hi, Joe. Hey, Jonathan. I I have to admit I'm, I'm, I'm having a little bit of a fluttery stomachs for some weird reason. I, even I've talked to you before. I don't know what all this is about. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, sorry for Prince. Actually, I didn't realize that if I uh, hit this, click the speak button, that it would automatically unmute my microphone. Yeah. Thing would do that. Have you got a comment on the WWDC? Yeah, 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 I do, I do. Well, actually, I, I have actually have a question for you because I didn't really get to hear the WWDC thing. Did you get any of your wish list um, things trying uh, granted? Trying to remember what they were now. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's too early to <laughs> I think it's too early to say um, a lot of my wishes were kind of to do with um, voiceover. And really? so until I get to play with voiceover, I'm not sure. I know a lot of people's wish related to Siri, though. And uh, so it sounds like we might get better performance from Siri. So that'd be a good thing. Okay. Yeah. Cause you can kind of already do that um, when you, if you have a new Alexa, um, whoops, uh, four, you can actually kind of still do things if she doesn't have access to the internet. Like you can do time, you can do the time and uh, timers and stuff like that, which you couldn't do on the uh, third gen and below echo uh, devices. So. Yes. This seems to have really expanded it. They've, um, you, you you now download a series of what kind of like um how would you describe it 
So you you download a series of files um, that that then live on the device, and you'll be able to do a lot more than you used to be able to do. So that's really cool. Well, hopefully she'll know more then as a result. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, good luck, and we'll uh, no doubt hear what you think of it when you install the beta if you get to it. Yeah, definitely. Cool. All right. Cheers. Thanks. Thanks. And we'll uh, talk to Timothy next. Hi. Hello, Timothy. Hello. Yeah. Go Hello ahead. There. How are you? Good. Actually, I was on a web not too long ago, and the last device that will be able to support 15 is the iPhone 6S. So they haven't dropped anything. That's really interesting. No. Yeah, because that was the last thing that supported uh, the, yeah, the, the exactly. 14. So the, yeah. the exact same... So the exact same devices are able to be supported in iOS 15. Wow, that's pretty significant. Yeah. Uh, anything that attracts you? You're looking forward to anything in particular? Uh, offline Siri. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, a whole bunch of other stuff too, including, uh, I guess, uh, the extension to iMessages and maybe be able to live text things. Mm. Okay. Uh, will you be installing the public beta? Probably, but probably not because this is the only device I have ex- except for my Apple Watch and that I don't want to, <laughs> you know. <laughs> right. Oh, well, let us know how you get on if you install it. Thanks. All right. Will do. Take care. Good to hear from you. Yeah, you too. Mitchell, hi. Uh, hi, Jonathan. Yeah. Hey, can you explain the spatial, the audio feature that they mentioned for FaceTime? Yes, I'm sure we can. Would you like to have a crack at that, Judy? Because we haven't heard from you for a while. I think you probably got to do this one. Aha! Okay. Um, So spatial audio is something that I haven't used. um, But what happens is that, as I understand it, it relates to you have the device in a central location and then where somebody appears in the stereo spectrum will be where your head is in relation to the device. Um, so if you if you turn slightly off center from the device, then in your head you will hear somebody speaking from you know slightly. If you turn slightly left, it will sound slightly right because you're facing away from the person. And I think where this could be quite handy is that it might assist a blind person to make sure that they did center onto the camera. That's interesting. Uh, and in, ter- in terms of music, spatial audio is s- supposed to add additional enhancements, kind of embellishing the stereo spectrum. And um, we should be hearing spatial audio and music quite soon. So it's. Uh, I've used a movie, sorry, I've used a movie, movies before. And it sounds very good, like almost like a, like, a, like almost like when you're at the, at the movie theater. Mm-hmm. It like, but the way you be careful is that your phone's right in front of you, because even if you move just slightly, your head will move to left and right. For example, you say like say adjust your position and move, like Jonathan was saying, it will kind of like chase away sometimes and go all on one side. So the idea is to keep your phone quite central, but it it sounds like almost like it's wrapped. Like the sound is almost traveling around you. Yeah, and one of the reasons why, uh, so we we've just moved into a new office uh, in my day job, which I am yeah. taking a day off from today, so I can do this, <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, and one of the things I've do- done is um, I've got a Zoom PodTrack P4 in my new office, and I have my iPhone 
and my laptop connected to it. So everything's coming through a central point. I can plug headphones into it. But one of the things I find is that for um, conferencing in an environment like that, I prefer to use my iPhone because before I go into a video conference, I can open the camera app and VoiceOver tells me when I'm centered. So I can go into a video conference knowing that I'm dead set in the center of the camera. And that's something that no Windows screen reader is doing. I don't think Microsoft is exposing that information. Jonathan, I've used spatial audio listening to movies. Mm -hmm. But the part of it with FaceTime that I'm having trouble wrapping my head around is, let's say you're talking to five other people. Well, all I mean, either they're in little blocks on the screen, so the phone is deciding where those five people are because every one of them is virtually straight in front of you. So the five people aren't positioned around a room somewhere. I don't quite get the, how that's going to work. Yeah, how's it looking visually, Heidi? Because every every speaker has their own sort of tile. Yep. It so sounds exactly I get, I like what the you just said. Yeah, so everyone's what just in audio? tiles in front of you. Right. So I guess I'm wondering if the order of the tiles going left to right or up and down or whatever influence where you hear them. If that's the case, it could be quite an amazing sonic experience. <laughs> if everybody, it, It's a bit like what I try to do with shows like this, where I try to position everybody just slightly differently on the stereo spectrum. So if you're listening in but headphones. But it's not terribly relevant to the direction you should face, though. Right. Okay. And, so ahead. what they're, they're saying on the site is they're spacing them out along the, like, <clears throat> stereo spectrum so that everyone has a direction but i guess when they're in a call like when they're in a grid it's like two people on each row so like do two people sound like they're coming from up above i don't know how they're planning on doing it <laughs> i don't, I don't <laughs> it would be quite cool so i guess it might work differently from say listening to music in that case where what's happening with musical tv shows is relative to where you are to the device Right, but this this could be different, yeah. And and this is why we should all be installing the beta. And you know, <coughs> being if I had another device, I would. But I only have one device, so no beta for me. Yeah, well, <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't try it at home just yet. Then, yeah. Then we have to find five people to have FaceTime calls with. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't think I could find five people who want to talk to me. <laughs> oh, you probably could. You've got four kids and a wife. That's five. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. <laughs> and you got, got all the people that listen to your show. Oh, you can yeah. find five people pretty that's easy. Very kind. Hey, that's a great question. Thank you so much, Mitchell. I appreciate that. Another idea. Yeah. Have you thought about doing a demo on an app called SuperSense? Uh, I have not, but that's not a bad idea. We should see if we can get somebody from SuperSense on the show, actually. Yeah, because that's pretty popular here in the U.S. I don't know about over there, but... Yeah, I've got the app, and I paid for the premium subscription, but we've not done it on the show, so it's it's a really good thought. You're full of good thoughts today. Yeah, uh, you might stick an email on your list. In a couple weeks, you're going to drop the pricing. Uh-huh. And there's also a club up here for that app. Right, right. Excellent. No, thanks for the suggestion. I appreciate that. No problem. All right, I'll uh, catch you later. Have a good one. Yes, bye. Let's go to Douglas next. Hi, Douglas. Hi, Jonathan. How are you? Hi, Heidi. Hi, everyone. And hey. not sure if Michael's still out here, but I know Michael, actually. <laughs> if he's out here still, if not, sorry, I missed him. We all know Michael. Um, I, miss, 
Pardon? We all know Michael. He's a good guy. Yeah. <laughs> yep, he definitely is. Um, I missed the event. Unfortunately, I was on a Zoom call and it conflicted, but I want, just had two questions. I was wondering if there was any mention about to do with the battery, because I have the iPhone 11 Max Pro, and I noticed sometimes it has a battery drainage, battery drain. No, and I heard also something about the iPod Touch too. Sorry, Heidi. Oh, they didn't know um, mention anything about battery optimization in the software, so no mention there. And they didn't mention and the I, iPod Touch either. Oh, because I read somewhere that they were maybe going to make a new iPod Touch or something. They're either going to or have really- to make a new one or decide that the iPod Touch is over. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was reading that too. Yeah, I don't, but they, they didn't mention that. But that would be a hardware thing. And interestingly, there was some speculation that there would be a new Mac of some kind, a new M1 Mac announced today, but it was purely software. And they had so much to say in the software. <laughs> so I guess we can expect all the hardware stuff at their September event. Yeah, hopefully so. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks, Douglas. And for those who missed the keynote itself, uh, don't forget that Apple does have a special events podcast feed. So if you'd like to catch it, it's probably already there. You can go and listen to the actual keynote itself. This one's worth hearing because it's going at a real clip. There's so much in there. Uh, Herbie is up next. Hi, Herbie. Wow. Gave him a big introduction. And do we hear him? No, we do not. Let me just make sure that it's not at my end. I've got a pretty busy uh, screen here. Ah, uh, yeah, no, you should be unmuted, Herbie. So we don't hear you, though. So in the meantime, I shall look for another victim. I noticed. Okay, let's try that. Oh, there we go. Ah. There, Herbie. All right. So um, I did what listen to the WWDC event in full. I guess the one thing I'm – a couple of thing, questions I have is, one – with the spatial audio with FaceTime, is it going to be like Bluetooth audio quality or are they going to make it at least sound more like FaceTime quality? I'm curious to see how that will work. Um, but I liked your, I think I got most excited about it when you mentioned how it could give us the possibility of being able to be centered on the camera. So that actually, your uh, thing there got me more excited than the uh, WWDC event in that respect. Ah, um, yeah, that- so you you can do this. You've been able to do it for some some years. What you do is you open the camera app and you switch to front facing, and then yep. you the, the voiceover will start telling you one person top left or bottom left or whatever. And then when you eventually get it to the point, so I have the little iPhone dock that you can buy from Apple, and that sits my iPhone on the desk vertically, so it's in portrait mode, and then. You um, position yourself so that the thing's constantly telling you one face centered, and then you know that you can make your FaceTime call or your Zoom call or your Teams call and be visible in the frame. And for me, that that's really important. Yep. Now, one question I was curious about, I don't know if we really touched on this because um, um, I'm not an iPad user, but they said this would be coming to the Mac as well. So I'm curious if you have an idea of how this might work ex- from an accessibility standpoint. They were talking about this quick note feature hmm. where you can put, you know, like notes for different apps 
you know, across the universe. I was just curious if you had an idea of how that might work from a voiceover perspective, or is that just way too soon to... Uh... Did you have a look at the UI for that, Heidi? The, 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 this is the quick note that you can sort of bring it in, type a quick note and swipe it away. Okay, so what it's saying on the iPad page on the website is you can access quick note from control center with a swipe of your finger, a swipe of the Apple pencil or the keyboard shortcut. And it brings up like a little mini notes, like overlay, sort of like a slide over. And you can just do whatever in there and add the links to the page and stuff like that from there and then come back to it later. Oh, that'll be interesting to see how that plays Yeah. Yep. Yeah, hopefully not one of my custom gestures that I'm using for something else. <laughs> well, it was up from like diagonally up from the bottom right corner was what they were showing. <laughs> right. But that's just like the, yeah, how we Main, drag it in without voiceover. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, yep. No, I think the one thing I really got excited about, at least from the Mac side of things, was the shortcuts. Like they were mentioning how you could use a shortcut to op- open multiple apps at the same time. And, uh, you know, I could probably do this with automation too. I've never really played around with that, but if that would be easier to sh- set up in shortcuts, um, like, you know, I might need to open, um, audio hijack and VLC media player and just, you know, do a command to, you know, tell them both open at the same time. That could definitely, um, prove to be you know, something interesting at least to play around with and see if I make use of it over time or not. Do you think that the Mac community will lament the impending doom relating to Automator, or will they be okay with shortcuts? I can't speak from a sighted perspective. From a blindness perspective, I've really not heard Automator even talked about that much. So um, it's something I've never used. I mean, I've only had the Mac for, you know, since late 2019. So, um, but I'm, I'm thinking that, especially if shortcuts, you know, works, I think that, you know, it's something that, you know, we'll move as Apple users, we just have to learn to adapt. And sometimes they make changes, you know, for some people, you know, it was like the home button with the iPhone and, and, you know, it'll maybe like with the Mac, it'll be going from automated to shortcuts. And I think we'll just have to see how well it works. And I think that'll really, but I mean, there's, I found that people are always going to lament things that disappear. I've still heard the occasional comments about how there's no more iTunes on the Mac. And I was like, okay. Um, and, and boy, do we miss that? <laughs> I, I'm still Sorry. lamenting the lack of a headphone jack. Every time one of those <laughs> lightning adapters break, I think, and this is progress, you know. Um, you have a, Some, a clubhouse session that breaks because there's no damn headphone jack on the device. Sometimes uh, but yes, good things go got away. Club deck for now, so yeah. Oh, yeah, lovely. Thank you very much, Herbie. I appreciate the comments. Yep. And take care. We've been going for almost two hours, so I am going to wrap shortly because I want to publish this as a podcast for those who aren't here. But we will just take one or two more. So we'll go to uh, KL now. Aloha, KL. Aloha, guys. Hi, Heidi. Hi. <laughs> All these Heidi fans. <laughs> um, one thing is that I'm amazed is that um, I was also watching the audio description track on um, the TV app, but also there was so much em- emojis that they were describing too at the beginning. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> there was a lot. <laughs> and also um, I have a question about the voice isolation. Um with the noises in the background, I think it was like a, a reef, uh, leaf blower. Did they show the person in the background visually? Or, yeah, they did. Um, 
okay. So, so in the call, there was the person in the call at the front of the frame, and then there was the person with the leaf blower at the back of the frame, and they push the button on the screen. Well, they show you like reaching towards the screen and pushing a button, and the leaf blower is still going in the background, and we can't hear it anymore. Oh, that's interesting. I wonder how they managed to do that with FaceTime, but wow, that's pretty cool. Very good. Anything else, Cal? No, that's it. Thank you, guys. Tremendous. Have a wonderful one. You're back in Hawaii now, aren't you? Oh, I've been in Hawaii for a long time. Okay, so. I can't keep up. Well, have a lovely <laughs> uh, Monday. Yeah, mm, yeah Monday morning. Monday, it's almost 11 o'clock. Yeah, here, so. well, tremendous. All right, back to the future. Thanks yep. so much. And uh, our final final contributor, uh, Senior, I'm so sorry if I've mispronounced your name, but I think that's how yeah, I pronounce it's it. Ksenia. It's Ksenia. I'm so sorry. My my text-to-speech okay. engine, I have seen your name so many times over no, the no years, worries. and my text-to-speech mangles it every time. Well, believe me, I've I've heard my name called Cassandra Casey Kenya, so oh, don't worry, I'm, right. I'm used to a <laughs> So I'm fine. Um, in terms of um, WWDC, well, um, first of all, I join those who are looking forward to FaceTime features because I often uh, watch with my mom in Russia films, but we do it via, she calls me on FaceTime and turns speakers as loud as she possibly could. So <laughs> I catch it from the FaceTime, but now obviously we tried it with Zoom and we really loved it because we could share a screen and sound. So I'm looking forward for um, FaceTime to see how that's going to be like and to watch the football and other stuff with friends. Um, also, another thing is Safari extensions. I'm looking forward to Safari extensions because, um, you know, on Windows and different browsers, you have extensions and they really make your work online, well, make it different, make it better. Mm-hmm. You know, the add-ons and the bookmarks and Grammarly and all different tools that you can install and sort of make the browsing experience smooth, you know. Um, also, the iPad, I'm happy to see uh, the feature where they say that you can make a note from every app because I've got an iPad, but the problem is with the iOS 14, there has been a focus problem where it would jump from one place to another. So you would have to turn off the hardware keyboard, which makes, well, it kind of defeats the purpose because, well, you can't use all the features of an iPad. So I'm hoping that they're going to fix the old bugs, not just introducing the new features because that's really important because I really want to utilize my iPad to make it, well, close to my laptop, not maybe as productive, but obviously more than, you know, you're paying all this money and then obviously, well, you don't get the experience <laughs> as much as you would, you would want it, you would want to. So I'm hoping to, to, to use translator, uh, making notes, using the shortcut keys and obviously, you know, the Siri, yeah, mm. or, or using offline, especially on the train. That would be a great feature. So I think these are the main ones for me. Obviously, I'm sure we're going to see some quiet introduced features, which uh, some websites introduce and they tell us about. So I'm sure we're going to have more features once the betas are released and maybe closer to the final. But these are sort of my preferences. That's brilliant. Thanks so much. That's a great analysis there. I don't know the extent to which there's a really active ecosystem of Safari extensions on the Mac at the moment and whether there is going to be this impro- – I read somewhere there was going to be interoperability uh, with Chrome extensions. If that's the case, that could be really cool and it obviously yes, lessens – Yes, can the, be. 
yeah, it mm-hmm. lessens the burdens on developers to have to develop something separate for Safari. So that will be interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that'd be great. Lovely. Thank you so much for that contribution. It's a great Thank way you, to finish. Jonathan. All right. Take care. And thank you to Mike and Judy and Heidi for all of your assistance. It's just been so much to talk about today. And I just have everything crossed that we will have a beta cycle. You know, I don't care how buggy developer beta one is. What I care about is how buggy the the release of iOS 15 and watchOS 8 uh, are and macOS uh, Monterey. Uh, That'll be the big test to see whether a lot of attention is being paid to some of these accessibility bugs. We didn't talk anything about braille judy and i guess um you know we're, <laughs> there wasn't we're, anything to talk about no but i i'm just wondering whether <laughs> we you know I, i'm looking forward to getting my hands on the beta just to see what might have been done if anything there because there's I'm been a pretty they don't break anything yeah i know and, and 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 sadly that tinges what has been a really good keynote for many blind people um what's broken essentially and um if we could make some progress in that regard this year yes. that would be really significant that would be great yeah wonderful All right, well, well thank you so much it was we'll great keep fun. in touch and uh, thanks to those who've joined us on clubhouse if you're listening to this on the podcast a reminder that we did record this immediately after the keynote so there will be a lot more information coming out over the coming day or so we will be talking about it on mosin at large Uh, over the weeks to come. So thanks so much for joining us, and we'll see you again soon. To contribute to Mosin at Large, you can email Jonathan, that's J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N, at mushroomfm.com by writing something down or attaching an audio file. Or you can call our listener line. It's a U.S. number, 864-60-MOSIN. That's 864-606-6736. Mosin at Large.